next edition of Light Shed Live. I'm Rich Greenfield with Walter Pysik and Brandon Ross. Uh, we're really excited to have a, a really special event today. We've got Zach Letter uh, and Megan Letter, also known as Megan Plays and Aviator Gaming, I guess, depending on who you <laughs> are and, and wh- where you're looking at these two. But they're building a business called Wonderworks. But I, I think before we even get to Wonderworks and sort of the, the Roblox world that you're building, maybe we could just scroll back in time. Um, Zach, you were a pretty early adopter of of getting into YouTube. I think, you know, looking at sort of starting off in 2011, uh, it was a very different world of YouTube in, in 2011. Maybe just spend a minute and just walk us through, like, how did you get Like, what made you decide one day I'm going to be a YouTube gamer? Like, how did that start? <laughs> well, I was a lifelong gamer. Like, growing up, all I wanted to do was spend every dollar I had on video games And then I would trade in my video games to get more video games. It was a vicious cycle. My brother in 2007, he was obsessed with like film and and video production. He's about three years younger than me. And he's like, oh, like there's this website, like you can make videos and people can like comment on them and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, like I don't really care uh, all that much. (laughs) Uh, But he's like, we should do like a little show together where we like use a webcam and we make like fake confessionals like of like high schoolers, like diaries of like a high schooler or something. I'm like, uh, okay, fine. So we started doing that in 2007. And back then, obviously making money was absolutely not an option. Um, if you were making money, I think you had to have like a hundred thousand subs. And back then that was like having 10 million. Um, so, Mm -hmm. um, we just were doing it for fun, making like sketch comedy videos. And then in 2000, late 2010, I wanted to like try my hand in YouTube gaming. Uh, Back then, YouTube gaming really didn't monetize because the copyright holders of the game property didn't want to allow you to monetize on their content. It was kind of a gray area. So I did everything I could to try to get a partnership with Machinima, which was like the prominent network at the time, try to get my foot in the door because that was the only way to monetize as a gaming creator was to get with a network. So I was a Minecraft the, the, the early at the early MCN super early. Yeah. So like I played Minecraft for a living um, and I decided my only way in was to apply with like a soccer video, like a FIFA and try to get in with Machinima Sports because they were super small and I had like less than a thousand subs. So I made a FIFA video, put it on my main channel, and then I submitted that to Machinima and they were like, we love it. Uh, you're a sports creator now. I'm like, awesome then i asked my you bait and switched yep i asked my sports contact instantly i'm like uh can i get like the contact of the guys at machinima realm Uh, because they did all the minecraft stuff and they're like oh sure why would you want that i'm like oh just curious and then i was like please let me submit videos for you guys um and they're like okay so then i became a director at machinima realm and they actually offered me to move out to los angeles and make videos for them in-house and and that's kind of what took off my career in in late 2011 early 2012 Hey, Megan, can we get your origin story now? <laughs> it's a lot different than Zach's, that's for sure. So I'm probably like, I, when YouTube first came out in like, I think it was 2005, six. When no. was this? Uh, two, 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 2005, because YouTube bought it in 2006. I no. was I was in the in fifth Google. grade. So I was 10 years old um, and I grew up a lot watching YouTube creators like Smosh and really the OG YouTubers. 
Um, and I never really even thought about like doing YouTube seriously. Me and my friend would upload some like little, just fun videos, like just one off so we could capture our memories and save them forever. Um, I didn't actually start to get interested in, um, becoming a content creator until probably around 2013. Um, and I started off on Instagram actually posting gaming content, um, because I like Zach too grew up on gaming. Like I, that was always a really, really big part of my life. So I started posting gaming content on Instagram. And once I was able to grow that following a little, I decided it was was time to launch my YouTube channel because um, that's kind of a more jumping off point. At the time, it was pretty easy to grow on Instagram with the hashtags and everything that they were using. Um, so once I kind of got that audience, I was able to post YouTube videos and talk about it with that audience. Um, I wasn't very good at it. Um, I definitely didn't really realize all the like algorithm aspects of it, needing to post daily and um, how fast you need to kind of be with it all retention wise and stuff. Um, but then I met Zach in 2015 at a gaming convention. <laughs> um, and he asked me to start working for him doing voice acting and stuff like that, which I said, yes. And, um, then I kind of learned a lot of the YouTube ropes from him and realized like, Oh, if you want this to be a job, you have to do this. But I never went into it wanting to like have a job. Like I finished school. I have a degree. It's hanging up on my wall over there for graphic design with a business minor. Um, so I really like, it was never my plan to be a YouTuber and make money off of it. I just kind of enjoyed it. And, um, then I started making money off it. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And then the rest is kind of history. How did you guys decide what games you wanted to play and broadcast uh, being YouTubers, even before you got to Roblox? Like, yeah, for me, um, basically, I started with posting just games I really liked at the time, like Diablo, um, like, you know, by Blizzard. Um, and then I kind of quickly learned that people who play Blizzard games aren't watching people play Blizzard games because they're playing them themselves. Um, people who play Blizzard, ga Blizzard games seem to be an older audience. And really, the people that are watching gaming on YouTube tend to be a younger audience. So I switched to... Um, the Sims, which I really, really love The Sims. I played that all growing up. That was like my number one favorite game. I was playing it since it came out in 2002. Um, so I just started kind of posting content on that. And then I kind of dabbled in Minecraft. And then after a while, I decided to switch to Roblox. So there was no like hard changes algorithm or anything like that. I just kind of was doing one thing. And then that one thing started to really not work. And something else was working for a ton of people. And I was like, you know, I'm going to actually um, give my hand at this. Roblox thing. And it turned out to be really good. And we know why Zach started with FIFA, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> it was the but, only way in. Yeah, yeah, but, but what about after, what about after that? Yeah. So actually when I started my gaming channel, I was like doing call of duty and competitive games. I was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. And that's all I did all day was play call of duty. Um, but then I watched this creator named C Nanners and he was really fun loving and he was playing this game called Minecraft. It was like an alpha at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'll give that a shot. I didn't have a very great PC, but I was playing it on my laptop and I actually got like totally hooked on it and I could not stop playing. Like at the time I worked like a full-time job in construction. I was a millwright. So like every day I got home, I was just playing like eight hours of Minecraft. And if I worked third shift, I would sleep like three hours and play like 10 hours of Minecraft. And that kind of showed in my early videos, which helped me get that off at Machinima and everything. So, And what made you guys, you know, get attracted to Roblox exactly? Um, I had a friend in the space, um, kind of, we did, we had a group channel together and I had a friend in the space saying like, keep your eye out on Roblox. Like this is a new biggest thing. Like, 
oh my gosh, it's going to be massive. And we just kind of thought he was talking because he was one of those people that just like would really hype up everything, even the smallest things. Um, so that kind of planted a seed in my head. I didn't know head. Gary V was on Roblox. Oh, he's actually a big Gary V fan. Like, oh, I just thought that you were Gary like v. describing Gary V. He, he's a big Gary V fan. He would talk about all the time. It's the bill. But, well, dude, tell him Gary V's been on Light Shed Live. So I'll let no. him know. I'll let him know. Yeah. So and, yeah. and he's like kind of taken on that entrepreneurial rise and grind attitude. So anyway, he was super hyped about Roblox and. Um, it wasn't until a year or two later that I decided that like what I was doing wasn't really working. And I was like, mm, my friend was talking about Roblox. I'll check that out. And um, I kind of started seeing kind of everything that the platform had to offer. There were so many different experiences and different games. And every day you could do something a little bit new, which was exciting as opposed to like playing The Sims where you can make your own story. And there's tons of little options there. But after you play for like 10,000 hours, which is kind of like what I have on the game, you no, just so kind much. of start to run out of plot lines to create. So it was just something really new and fresh. And um, I didn't quite realize all the other opportunities that there was on Roblox besides just creating content. Like I didn't realize um, you could make games on Roblox or like, you know, I couldn't see that, but I just never thought it was a possibility for us until I started doing Roblox for like maybe like four months. And then I was like, Hey, like, you know, why are we creating content in all these games? We could maybe make our own game Ooh. and we could create our own plot lines and it would fit with whatever we wanted to make <laughs> content wise. Um, and then that's when Zach um, really, really got involved. And then he kind of took it from there. So. But you, you had no experience making games before, before you started was the Roblox platform just that easy to make games on like why don't you guys take us through how that transition occurred i can start with that um so when i was in high school I, I wanted to be a game developer i wanted to make video games i thought that could be my career and i could go to school for it uh, not just I, play fifa you didn't just want <laughs> not to play just FIFA play fifa no <clears throat> so I, I watched the movie grandma's boy when i was in high school and i thought wow that job looks amazing they play video games all day they get to make video games they get to be the first ones to experience these awesome experiences that they're producing. And I thought, that's amazing. Then I found out programming, you need to be like a math genius. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's probably out of the question. Um, so Zach is when, kind of a math genius, though. Like, he's <laughs> really quick math. at mental math. Like, yeah, mental like, math. If I think about it as like money or numbers, like not that, a coder. No, not yeah. a coder, not calculus or not anything. Not formulas like that. or anything, but um, sense really fast. Just so <laughs> Yeah. But basically, <laughs> When we got into the Roblox space, we're like, okay, we want to make a game. We want to do something. But we had like no connections at the time. We were very new to the space. So we decided to contract out a studio. Um, and that was a disaster. It was a huge learning experience. I mean, they quoted us at a $30,000 run rate for the project. It ended up being like $120,000. They said it was a three-month project. It was nearly nine months when it was complete. And, and then the only when reason, it was complete... Yeah. Um, it was broken. We launched a broken game. This was very bad on my creator reputation that I had. Um, and the game made $18,000 if I'm correct or 8,000, um, total, not profit, total, <laughs> yeah. uh, not profit. So, you know, so you we lost out, a lot more than that. Lot. We were at like yeah. $115,000 oh and that Lord. experience was so traumatic for me and it was such a smear on my um my brand and everything that I had worked to create that I completely shut down and I really went hands off and Zach he like didn't want to give up because he loved game design and stuff and I was like ah this experience has been too much for me so I gave up and Zach did not 
he was he was not taking that. So this is kind of where our two um, branches of production and game development kind of split. And I focused on production and Zach is focusing on game development. So you can go on, Zach. Yeah. So once everything was a total disaster, the only mm -hmm. reason that project ever released was because we kind of ran out of money to spend on it. We were so... down to like no money in our bank account. Because <laughs> we like, just had our they... wedding, our honeymoon. Yeah. Like it was very expensive time. They and... wanted like 10000 a month. And that only goes so far when you have a mortgage and everything else. You just right. don't have that type of runway. Yeah. So uh, from that, you know, we decided to abandon that project, abandon working with that studio. <clears throat> and one of their programmers actually wanted to leave the studio and come work for us. So that's kind of how we obtained our first programmer. Now, little did we know that guy was one of the huge reasons we were wasting a lot of money and he was wasting a lot of time. So, so we he thought, was oh. scamming you. Yeah. So when we took that guy, we're like, yay, we're out of the, the thick of it. And then it turns out like another five months of just being led on when we were trying to make our next game and wasting a bunch of money. But the one uh, one good thing didn't happen from that. He basically got hired by another studio. He got poached and he agreed <laughs> to help me interview the next programmer. So we were actually able to finally find someone that really wanted the job. They had over a dozen years experience on Roblox. Their account number 11,000. And I think Roblox has billions of accounts now. So it kind of shows how long they've been on the platform. And then he introduced me to one of the builders that we currently have. And those two became our first two real employees for WonderWorks. That was December 2019. And they're still with us today. And they helped us create Overlook Bay from the ground up. They're really, really great minds. Like, mm -hmm. And it's been such a smooth experience um, having this team that we're like so grateful for. It really helps like, mm -hmm. you know, everything that Zach creates come to fruition because he spends hours and hours in meetings documenting and always thinking of new ideas for updates and the creative aspects of it. And then he like writes out these like 20 page documents of how exactly he wants it to work. Um, and then these people are really, really great at making it come to life. So we're really grateful for that. Yeah. One now we have 24 employees too. One quick question. And I know Rich wants to follow up, but just on, on these employees, are they people who have been real game designers um, for other platforms or non-Roblox um, game makers before? Or are they just, you know, people who build on the Roblox tool set and that's it? Yeah. So I'd say it's definitely a mix. Um, our first two employees, one had a bachelor's degree in computer science. Uh, he's the programmer and he had the 12 plus years experience on the platform. But our builder is going to school for criminal justice. So, um, but he's just like the Picasso of the website. He's amazing. Um, and now he actually is taking a leap year and moving out here to work in our office and, and try to give Roblox his everything. Um, but right now we have teamed up with Full Sail University. Uh, they're helping us recruit new candidates. So all of them have bachelor's degrees in their respective fields. Uh, I'd say about out of the 24 employees we have, we're probably around like 16 or 12 that would have like a bachelor's degree and some that have two years experience and dropped out. Um, but we're finding that if you really want it, you can get it. Like we hired a junior developer last June by October, he was a senior developer and we just appointed him our director of operations. 
you don't need crazy development experience. No. Like years expensive developers. It's no. also worth noting that Roblox like has a proprietary code called Lua and you can't code Lua for anything else. You know what I well, mean? It's not so, proprietary, but yeah. Not like, proprietary. They, like you, you can yeah. only do Lua and I think, I don't think anything else uses Lua, right? Core uses Lua and there's some other like small platforms like yeah. Kohl's price scanners use Lua. So but, it's um, not like whenever, you, so it's like if you're going to school for a game design and you're learning like JavaScript. It's an ancient language like that. that not yeah, everyone like, uses, but yeah. A lot of people you said like price scanners use Lua. Is that <laughs> yeah. what you just said? Yeah, one of our yeah. developers actually said I worked for Kohl's and I noticed that the price scanner had like an error, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, let me see." And it was Lua, and he's like, was able to fix it. I'm like, "Oh, interesting." Yeah. Um, so there are platforms that use it, but it is. I think I I would say it's like the easiest to learn language, and that's mm-hmm. probably why Roblox uses it versus like Java or or things like that that could be more right. complex. Yeah. So whenever we hire on people, some they have to go through like a little bit of adjustment training. Just um, yeah, like traditional programmers that have that bachelor's degree usually don't know Lua like at all. Yeah. So Um, so, it's easy to pick up for them. Yeah. We found it's been about a two week turnaround to really learn the platform and understand how it works. So, so Megan, um, when I look at your channel, you play lots of games. It's it's not like you just play Overlook Bay. Uh, you play lots of games from all across, from the most popular games. I saw the other day you were doing the least or the worst rated games on, on yeah. Roblox. So you do a little bit of everything. But, I, you know, I guess the question is, is like, you know, you're not just a vertically integrated. It's not like, hey, I'm only going to play on my channel the games that we make. You're sort of like right. maybe walk us through like how do you you wake up in the morning or you look at your week ahead? How do you decide what you want to f- feature or play in your channel? Well, I was doing Adopt Me for a really long time. It was the number one game on Roblox for a really long time. And I had a lot of fun playing that. But as it kind of started to dip, I decided that we needed to, me, I need to define something, um, more more content to play games on because I have at this time, like over 600 Adopt Me videos on my channel. And that is quite a lot. Um, and you can imagine for a game that kind of only releases an asset every couple months, you kind of run quickly out of things to do. Um, and then Brookhaven kind of started to take off. So I kind of started creating content for that. Um, as much as I really like playing just like any game, it's uh, really cool to be able to get on some of these trends and be really versatile and create the content for these kids that are finding new games to play. Because whenever you create content for like some of these games for um, that have like a lot of numbers on them, there's not a lot of content out on them yet. And it's it's really fun because kids can automatically relate and they're looking for that content. So it's kind of like a mix of like what's trending versus like what you're just feeling like doing that day. Or if you have a good title or idea, then that's kind of where that came from as like, um, I played games only advertised to me. That was an idea that Zach pitched to me. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds fun. I'll do that. So it's kind of a mix of what's trending and what sounds fun to create. But it's also a little self-fulfilling, I assume, because the more, influencers and creators like you play some of these games the more popular they become among your fans to play you know it's sort of that virtuous cycle of like you playing them makes a lot of other feedback people there's a feedback loop yeah it's definitely a mutually beneficial relationship between youtubers and developers um it's uh we have content to create on and then they get free promotion so it's really great for everyone so when you think about kind of is there a common thread in terms of what makes a good Roblox game and like, do you do, I guess what I would call competitive intelligence and look at other games on the platform and, and see 
and what you've learned for games that are that are good um man just thoughts on that yeah um we definitely keep our ears to the ground we watch what everyone's doing all of our competitors um we think we have a very unique angle though we have access to billions of monthly viewers between Megan's brand and all of the influencers that we personally know and get along with very well. So we can ask a favor of almost anybody and get some type of reciprocation from that. And I think that's where we kind of win as a studio because yes, we, we do watch trends. We do see what other studios are doing. We also study juggernaut studios like uh, Supercell, EA, you know, Activision, see how they're monetizing on their games in the AAA level. And we try to apply those practices to our games. And that's why I think Overlook Base had such monetization success. So what are those those fundamental elements that you've identified that you try and incorporate into your your games? Yeah. So what we try to do is have a very freemium feel to all of our games. We want it to feel like the experience is completely free to play because technically it is, but still have certain things either barred amongst massive time requirement or just the instant gratification of making a purchase. So we try to make everything obtainable, whether you have $0 or not, but then we just ask of you to give us more of your time, which keeps our players more active. It helps us trend in some of the sorts. And we found a lot of success. We've tested many different monetization practices this year. Uh, We did an update with one Robux item. For those unfamiliar, Robux is basically like USD on the Roblox platform. So we did one update that only had one Robux item and that was the whole update. It was just one Robux item. It was really successful for us. So then the next update, we're like, okay, let's do no Robux items. Let's do like 20 of our in-game currency items. Now in our game, people can purchase the currency with Robux or they can work really hard and earn it um, and give us more of their time. So with that update, we actually found it to be a little bit more successful than just straight out being like, here's something for Robux, give us your money. And then with our Easter update, we did a mix. We did a couple of Robux items and then like 30 something free currency items. And that was our most successful update ever. So we're slowly figuring it out with this game and applying it to the three games we have releasing later this I mean, year. So it sounds like everything, I mean, when you started first talking about releasing the one Robux item, I thought you were going to say, oh, that was the special sauce. And we just kept doing, no. but it sounds like you do... <laughs> Variety. It, so what doesn't yeah. work then? Because it sounds like you basically described a lot of different things that that does that, that does work. What what are yeah. things you've noticed that are just whether it's your game or others that have not worked? So the best principle is scarcity. So recently we launched a huge game expansion, and we've worked so hard on this, and and we made this huge addition to the game that will be in it forever. It was like something like a few hundred assets and a whole new world to explore. But it didn't drive the players as crazy as an event that took us two days to make, like Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day, everything was limited. Everything was scarce. It was only going to be here for a week. So kids wanted to buy everything. They wanted to be active. They wanted to collect everything they could. But when we released this huge update that had hundreds of assets, it's like, well, that's going to be here forever. Maybe I'll get to it on Tuesday, maybe next month. I don't know. So we noticed that that was kind of a fail for us. A great example. drop, Drop culture in gaming. Yeah. yeah, drop culture. Right, yeah. drop culture mm-hmm. in gaming is yep, what you're basically exactly. saying is what works. We a create great, scarcity. Yeah, a great no, example no. is when Zach was playing the new update, somebody walked up to him and they they said, like, is this going to be here forever? Like, this pet going to be here forever? And Zach was like, no, it's eventually going to be changed out. And the person immediately ran and to bought that all pet three pets, and yeah. started buying all the pets because Zach was like, no, they're not going to be here forever. Wasn't a lie. Like, they're not going to be there forever. So it just shows you 
kind of how um, lucrative like that can be. And what's really great about Zach is like, he is actually a gamer. Like I come in and he's always playing like a different game on Steam <laughs> that he just found. And so he has so much knowledge about like how games monetize and everything. Like there's a reason that like, even if our game doesn't have like the top numbers and it's not the most popular that it's in the top earning. It's because without totally alienating our audience, we're able to monetize, which is, I don't think just like anybody can do that. I think it takes like a lot of work to patiently learn to monetize without shoving it down your audience's throat. Yeah. And I play a lot of Roblox. I mean, I am playing all of the games. I'm in the discovery tab every single day and I actually enjoy it. Like I love playing games. I don't care if they're made for five-year-olds or not. I still enjoy them. Um, I know a lot of parents who are playing a lot of Roblox. After <laughs> yeah, I, I like how you don't mention that you play a lot of Roblox, Brandon. Like, I like how no, you I, I, push that to the side. Oh, no, I had I had to uninstall it on my computer because <laughs> I was like on Zooms like this and I was running around in like Bee Swarm trying to like, yeah. get pollen and it was a problem. Yeah, it's, there's uh, a lot of great <laughs> games on the platform. That explains and a lot. That explains a lot. <laughs> It's like Thank it's you, Zach, bringing out that confessional. Is that another part of the process? <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. It's a few step of healing. You know, you got to first admit your addiction. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So for monetization, there's mm-hmm. the part that obviously you control, which is how, mm-hmm. you know, what your monetization loops look like. And then the other part is what Roblox, the platform um, gets to let you keep. And so mm-hmm. Andrew, um, has our first set of questions um, that came in. And anyone else who wants to ask anything, just kind of type your question in the chat and we'll do our best to get to it. But Andrew says, so they get paid in Robux. Yes. Um, how much does Roblox keep? And what is the conversion rate of Robux to US dollars? Okay, That's I can the, touch the on that. Start of that. Yeah, so... Basically, when it's all said and done, we're getting about 18 to 20% on a sale. So at the point of sale, Roblox will keep, I think it's like 30%. Called uh, a marketplace fee. It's a marketplace fee. So if we sell something for a dollar, they keep 30 cents. Then when we go to cash out that 70 cents, Roblox gives us about a 35% rate on what those Robux cost. So if you spend $10,000 to get a million Robux, well, a million Robux is worth 3500 to us. So that's a 65% cut there. And then they take the 30%. So if you average it out, yeah, we're getting about 20% at the very end of it. Right. And so Andrew's follow-up on that, because you're incentivized to spend in Robux mm-hmm. on the platform and not to cash out. So he says, how much Robux do they keep in their account? And what percent of their Robux do they spend on advertising inside the Roblox platform to promote games. Yeah. At any given time, we have about 30 million Robux on in our group. Um, we do use that for advertising. So when we drop a large update, we'll spend one to two million a day, which is about 3,500 to 7,000 um, on the platform for advertising. We found the conversion for our game was about one Robux per play, which was amazing. Um, so we could guarantee ourselves a lot of plays. Lately, it has been trending towards about five to seven Robux per play. And I don't know if that's because they changed some type of mechanic on the advertising or 
or what happened. Meaning, but. Just to be clear, meaning you're having to spend more to drive, so, to, this, drive to drive, drive a play. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's so much like an only Roblox thing because views have been down a lot. And I really think right now, a lot of kids, like their parents are like, wow, it's over. The pandemic's over. We can mm-hmm. go outside, send you to summer camp, get out of the house. So I think everything internet wise is a little bit down right now. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing it that? It will in- regulate and come back. Yeah, sure. are you so you're seeing that in your games overall the consumption uh, of your experiences is down the last month or so yeah i'd say uh in june we dropped the big update it's it's like a four-part update we were a little underwhelmed by the initial player count and, and the initial monetary gain from that but <clears throat> it's still been solid and one thing i do appreciate about roblox is like yeah they take this massive cut but they do give you direct access to, you know, hundreds of millions of unique users, um, which is kind of like a, a good give and take. Like iOS, like App Store discovery is really not there. You have to spend a lot of money to get noticed, like if you're making a mobile game. Yeah. Uh, but on Roblox, there's good discovery because if your friend's playing a game, you can see it that your friend's says, playing that specific yeah. game. Like, so what I do appreciate from them is the discovery and our company to kind of mitigate any like risk of being just attached to the Roebuck is we're doing direct to consumer merchandise for each of our games. We actually have a launch coming this Friday for Overlook Bay. Then we're doing licensing. We're licensing music. We're licensing um, RIP to actually big box stores to sell merchandise as well. We have some coming out Q4. So Yeah. And just to kind of follow up on sort of the the engagement coming out a little bit in June. Is that tied to any one particular territory? Like is the US, for instance, down more than other territories? Or is this sort of a global thing that you're saying? Um, Personally, I think it's a global thing. Although there's still a lot of countries that um, aren't over with the pandemic because they they don't have access to vaccines like the United States might. Um, I do think percent wise, like I know my audience is like 70% US and then like 20% UK and then it kind of trickles down from there. So really, I can only see US, but I do think that like it is kind of a global experience because Roblox has a massive, massive global audience, um, regardless of what your game, like um, where it's launched from, because they have like language localization, which automatically translates your game. Um, to different territories, which is really great. Um, And although like users are kind of down and views are kind of down, it does regularly. um, After being a part of like the YouTube space for a while, and Zach can attest to this, it's like in September, we generally expect to see a drop because that's when kids go back to school. Then you have a really great December, quarter four. um, And then from March to maybe April, it's down again, just because kids are buckling down, they're going to school. And then summer's generally really great. Um, We all got really... you're about to see sort of a ramp again yeah. for, because kids yes. are getting back to the school that they've been in in person for like a month. Totally. Yeah. Right. July is typically a, right. a good month. July is usually yeah. one of the best. Yeah. And although like those numbers are kind of down, like I, I'm putting quotes because it's like the retention's not down. Like player retention isn't down. People who are logging on are playing for the same amount of time. So it's not so like, it's very much not like a, 
disinterest type of thing. It's a now parents are putting their kids in summer camp and they're making them go outside after they haven't been for a while. It's very much not like a I'm bored of this thing. And well, Zach can attest to that. Why would July why would July be so why would July be so big though? Because I, I would think that that's a summer month that everyone's just outside playing more now. So generally um speaking people kind of get their outside time all weekends during a ton of time. And then they have a ton of free time at home uh, during okay. summer while their parents are at work um, to watch content and consume content and play content. Um, okay. Whereas kind of right now people are finally able to go outside, whereas they weren't before during the pandemic. So now their parents are doing more. So um, the way I like to look at it or the way I like to explain it is before the pandemic, you could go into any restaurant and sit down and eat. But in our area, you have to have a reservation to eat anywhere on a weekend or else you don't get to eat out. Um, and because everybody at once is deciding to get out, whereas it was very regulated. But right now with this, like last month, it's like at once everybody's out. Like we see people parking on the streets for like a water park that we have down the, um, down the street and they've never been that busy before. And are they just to also clarify versus, you know, the engagement is, are the spending rates per player, are those kind of holding steady or are those yeah. also dipping? We've seen a slight increase, actually, and I attribute increase. that to probably kids getting maybe increased allowance in the summer to keep them busy. <laughs> or, or, maybe, or maybe less time to play so they need to buy up. Yeah, so they spend when they can. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So we've seen a slight increase in spending um, per player. And one thing that is fascinating, our peak concurrent was usually around 11 a.m. CT, but now we're finding it to be about 2 p.m. CT. So I don't know if kids are spending more time in the morning, like at summer school or camp or mm. outside. And then finally towards the evening, they can get on. And that's when we start seeing those peaks. Mm-hmm. So uh, Megan, I think you were, you know, when you were commenting on sort of the, what you're seeing in terms of softening, you, you sort of related that to your views. I assume you're talking about your YouTube views and that yeah. YouTube is sort of experiencing the same sort of issues that mm-hmm. you're seeing with Roblox. Is that fair? Uh-huh. That's exactly it. Um, and YouTube even said themselves that right now they're not really pushing kids gaming content to, in their algorithm. Cause at the end of the day, like YouTube isn't so much a you platform. It, they have a very calculated algorithm and they will adjust it to what they think people want to watch. Um, so right now they're kind of holding back on pushing and they've said this themselves. They're holding back on pushing um, kids gaming because they know that there's not a lot of kids online to watch that gaming content. So they're not pushing it because they don't want creators um, channels to get really, really hurt when they try to push this content, but people don't click in, like maybe they usually would, if that makes sense. So they're trying to kind of spare the Maybe help everyone. Well, maybe just help everyone understand what's your relationship with YouTube like? Like how does YouTube help Megan plays? Like what does that relationship look like and how has it evolved over the years? Um, I don't actually have a relationship with YouTube besides posting content on the cha- on the platform. Like I don't have a YouTube representative. I don't have an inside source. Um, so everything I state is like, public knowledge. Uh, you just yeah. kind of watch the creator YouTube stuff. So, um, you know, I just kind of make my ad sense like every other creator and that's it. And that's why we chose to diversify because I don't have a relationship with YouTube. So do you have a relationship with Roblox? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that relationship? Yeah. Like, you know, they have a star program. So when a creator hits like 10 million views on their platform, like, or posting Roblox content. Um, They invite them to something called the star program. They give you a star code um, and they get you involved in the user generated content um, 
like platform like the UGC where you can create models for people to wear on their avatars. So they kind of get you involved in some other monetization strategies um, on their platform. So yeah, and it's like, if I have a problem with my Roblox account, I can message the star program and be like, hey, I need help with this. Um, and they do, they really treat their creators really well. Um, and I'm grateful for that because I know like if my Roblox account gets hacked or something, I know I'll have somebody to help me. Whereas if my YouTube channel gets randomly deleted, I really don't know who I would talk to about that. So um, it's, there's definitely a stronger relationship there. They, they definitely, um, and on the on the Wonderworks side, we work closely with Roblox music yeah. department and also the Roblox brand engagement team. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a partnership branch of Wonderworks and we're actively pitching and making experiences for Roblox. Yeah. And you're you're doing that with with brands? Uh, yeah, brands that... and musicians, you know, things you've seen on the platform. Like recently they they've done Gucci Garden. They've had concerts with like Little Nas X, like so. We're actively yeah. pitching for experiences like that, and 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 producing experiences like that. I yeah. noticed Megan's got Gucci in her on her avatar. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have Gucci in real life, so I thought that was fun. Um, yeah, I'm like, just and, making sure I'm paying attention. That's all. Yeah, you got it. I also do have my own merch um, that you can buy at statepeachy.com on my avatar. So that's a really great thing too. Like the little peach bag I wear is actually a bag that I sell in my shop um as well as the clothing like you know staypg.com so um that's a really great way to kind of integrate real life direct consumer and your roblox avatar to help kind of monetize in all senses maybe people can't buy the merch with usd so they buy it with robux um and then some other relationship aspects is like roblox set me up with um lil nas x so i did a video with him and then um zach Huron from why don't we so i did a video with him and then they also set me up with some media opportunities um, like Bloomberg and stuff like that. Um, so I, I, they just, I don't want to say they like us, but I think they like us. <laughs> <laughs> and should, should we expect that there's going to be a lot more stuff, not just, um, with you guys, um, but uh, across Roblox with more popular brands, um, in real life and more media type experiences on the platform <laughs> that are go beyond the traditional Roblox. I'd have to assume so because our email is blowing up at Wonderworks yeah. with brands that have seen like the Gucci Garden and they're like, hey, we heard through the grapevine. You guys are the people to come to. Uh, we need to get on before September, like blah, 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 blah. How quickly can wow, we make a for game? back to school? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like there's so many brands that are like, oh, man, this is it. And we heard that you guys are the studio, yeah. like whether they got introduced to us from Roblox or any other connections we might have made. But it, it literally we're having to deny you know, half a dozen people every two weeks that I, went on because we just can't take on the work. So, so brands are dying to be on. They're Roblox. dying to get. I on was literally, I was literally in a call yesterday with um, a representative of a person, like a celebrity that I consider to be an A-list celebrity, yeah. very, very famous person, very iconic person. I'm very excited because they want me to go out to LA next month. They're like, how fast can you be in LA? Like, so it sounds like this content. It's not Justin Bieber. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. But like, honestly, like when it happens, it's going to be so cool. And everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, that is an iconic person. Um, So they're like, I'm going to go out to LA and we're going to film content for her stuff. And then we're going to film content for my stuff for a Roblox launch that she has coming up. So it's Amazing. very, very exciting. Um, And a lot of 
real life celebrities are trying to figure out how to get into this new online digital media age. And I think Roblox is a really great way to do it. Rich, you had a follow-up? I think there's no, a question gonna... from in the Q&A yeah. that actually touches a little bit on this. You want me to hit that, Rich? Yeah, what, sure. Why don't you hit what, that what, it specifically says, what, is, what does the pitching um, to Roblox for specific experiences look like? For, for instance, Roblox worked with a developer for the Gucci Garden experience. How do you try and work with Roblox for other experiences like that? Yeah. Um, so we pitch multiple experiences to Roblox. So typically we'll get in a call with, like, say it's the music department. Uh, chat about a couple of opportunities they might have coming down the pipeline and, and they'll tell us what they feel is best suited for our studio. Um, and then if we have interest in it and if we do, we then make a pitch deck, uh, typically you know, 10, 12 slides, go over the world creative and, and how the experience could provide longevity or engagement for the community. Um, then usually within like a week or two, we have an answer and, and those projects could be anywhere from a six week deadline to you know three months. So it really depends on if the experience is meant to be for a short time or, or live on the platform forever, which we're starting to see a lot of brands are like, Hey, we're a popsicle stick company. We want to have a game that lives on the, on the platform forever. It's like, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but like possible. a lot of brands are going for, instead of like a short engagement of like one to two weeks, like most concerts have been, they want something that will live forever and be updated forever and, and have its own ecosystem. I um, recently, and this is like public because I've been doing this. I've been working with LOL Surprise because they have a online experience on Roblox that they've been doing forever. And I've been working with them for like months now doing consistent content. So it's like, yeah, there's like really big brands like coming to the platform, which is really exciting. Megan, when you were given kind of your origin story, you were, you know, and how you got to Roblox, you're like, well, this kind of war, you know, ran out. And then, you know, you ended up at Roblox. When you, when you think about the other platforms that are out there, obviously time spent on TikTok is massive. Do you guys have a presence there? And how do you think about other platforms, either in terms of expanding your brand or as maybe new revenue opportunities for the, for you guys? Um, so I do have a TikTok. It has 3.4 million uh, followers on it, which is about as many YouTube subscribers that I have. Although I don't see those as the, as the same value at all. Because yeah, I was going to ask you that because so I've, I've always questioned that in our in a lot of the conversations we have. Do you think yeah. those are, I don't want to say real, but do, when you think about the value of those three, four <laughs> relative to the YouTube, like what do you think they're, the difference is? They're real, but I do think that like they don't hold as much water as a YouTube subscriber because um, TikTok is a fast platform content. You don't have a lot of time to get your personality out there. A lot of the content is like lip syncing, dancing. Um, it's not creating a brand for a lot of people. There are people like Charlie, Addison Ray, Bella Porcha have made it into a brand, but then there's also some people who have yet to make it into really anything other than them, like just looking really hot and lip syncing. Um, and that's like not a brand that sells merch, uh, but it does get followers. So it like, they're prop, like, it's like maybe like 10 million followers on TikTok is probably the same as 3.5 million um, subscribers on YouTube because it's like people are subscribing for long form content. They want you in an aspect that's a lot longer than like a 15 second like little clip. And I'm saying there's like, there's definitely a million ways to convert that into a genuine audience. But I think at the time when TikTok was growing, a lot of people were just following a lot of people. Um, whereas 
they're only hanging out on their for you page and not their following page. So you, so so you look at it as more of an extension for your brand as opposed to like a revenue generator. For me, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, definitely. Um, there are a lot of people who've been able to make like a career off of TikTok and that's sure. really fantastic. Um, but I do think um, there are people who just have millions and millions of followers, but they don't really have much of a brand. And it, you know what I mean? So um, I'm not trying to be like negative or anything because everybody can turn anything into a brand. But I do think a lot of people spend more time on their for you page than they're following. And I think that it's just not so much the same. So are there other platforms out there? You know, you mentioned your friend was was like super bold up on Roblox in the early yeah. days for you, for for yourself or for your friends. Um, is, is there anything at kind of the nation stage right now that you guys are keeping your eye on that you want to have a presence in? Um, probably. And I'm probably blanking on that right now. So, Zach, if you want to answer that. But right now, I'm just <laughs> I'm really in love with Roblox and I'm really in love with YouTube. So there's not really another social media platform that I am currently like, Oh, got to jump on this as opposed to Roblox games that I see an up and coming like, Oh, got to jump on this and use that as an extension to my brand to help further my growth for what I'm doing. Yeah, what it's about hard. Even on the game, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, Zach, go but even on the, the game development side, is it just sort of Roblox for life for you guys now? Or is there interest in, whatever Fortnite's going to do with creative or going back to Minecraft or even doing stuff on mobile games off Roblox platform. Yeah. For Wonderworks, I mean, we're heavily Roblox focused right now. Um, next two, three years, that's the game plan. Uh, Roblox is looking to pay out 1.25 billion to creators this year. And our goal is to grow our studio to at least take 10% of that within the next three years. So if we can own 10% of what they're paying out to creators, we're hundred million dollar annual company. And we think we can get there since most of our competition is under the age of 18. We're the third largest studio with employee count, first largest in-house studio on Roblox. So as we continue to grow with our venture raise into this year and next year, we expect to, to start taking more of that market share. And then after that, you know, expand into mobile gaming, AAA indie development, stuff like that. You, yeah. I did cut you off um, before that. You were going to say something on the social platforms. I yeah, I was going to say something about Twitch. Uh, obviously, Twitch is one of the next biggest platforms out there next to YouTube. But I think with inconsistent moderation, uh, inconsistent community guideline structure. No discoverability. And zero discoverability. I mean, I don't think that's a go unless you already have an audience. I think it's very hard to build on that platform. Like, I think something YouTube does very well is their discoverability. They've kind of ditched the subscriptions page in a way. So subscribers matter less and less every single day. Yeah. But if you do subscribe to someone, you will see them more often in your recommended, in your home feature page and things like that. Why so, do you think they've moved away from subscriptions? Like, what, 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 do, what do you sense is the reason? I feel like when I, I'm still very old school YouTube, so I constantly use my subscription page. Me too, yeah. But... I think they started to move away from it because it becomes a comfort zone in a way. Like I find myself sometimes getting bored with say my 30 subscriptions. And then I'm like, well, I mean, I haven't really seen anything new. Maybe I'm going to go watch Netflix or something. So I think they're more like, okay, let's give them their subscriptions in a so way, much content, but keep more yeah. discoverability and, and keep them continuously engaged. So even if they do bore with this specific creator, we've already introduced them to another dozen just like them. And I, I found many, many creators I really love just through the homepage feature. Yeah. A um, couple questions have come in. One, 
what is your car audience today? And have you started to see your the audience age up across your games or other people's games that you're playing? Um, I can answer from a production side and Zach can answer from a gaming side. Uh, for me, no, I have not seen my audience age up. My core audience right now, because you have to age up your content before your audience ages up. Um, it's very difficult to age up with your content unless, or with your audience unless you're constantly changing. But even then, I am 27. I'm not going to like exactly know how to age up from nine-year-old content to 14-year-old content because I am not that age. So it's really difficult for me um, to do something like that. And I my core audience, as I just kind of like touched on, it's um, nine to 14, 90% female. Um, and that's pulled out of 80,000 people. And, um, and it's like, that's like very much what it is age range wise. And although people might age out of content, there's always new people aging into the content. Um, and I think that's really important to remember because I've been asked this question a few times, like, what, what, what about when people grow up? It's like, well, there's new people being born every day and they're aging into it. Um, which is really fantastic. There's always going to be somebody to play the games. There's always going to be something, someone that's like interested in the content. Um, and as long as you keep it consistent as I have, my audience has stayed extremely consistent. It's been that for probably a few years. Um, I do have some thoughts in mind to work on aging up my audience just a little bit. Um, and I'm not talking like age them up to like my age, but like, you know, kind of trying to focus more on like a preteen audience. Um, just get those numbers just a little bit like, shifted maybe to more like 13 to 15 is kind of where I'm going to try to create some content, but I also have my Roblox content. Um, so talked a lot about that, but go on Zach. <laughs> on the gaming side, obviously we're restricted to what Roblox as a platform has as an audience, but we plan to change that next year. We're actually tackling one of the most ambitious projects we ever have and partnering up with people that are in the gaming industry that can bring large scale male demo that are from the age of like 14 to 24 years old. So with this project that we're planning on dropping next summer, it's gonna have a few million dollars behind it. It's gonna have um, a way to actually make a living playing Roblox as, as a player. I, I can't say too much on it, but we plan to try to help Roblox on their mission to age up their demo and get more of the demo they want by creating, I guess, an ecosystem in a way that keeps people engaged on the platform as they age out of Roblox and go to Fortnite and Minecraft. Instead of doing that, hopefully they'll stay on this experience that we create in partnership with these large brands. Um, so that's that's obviously something we're looking to do uh, for next year. Right now, our demo on Overlook Bay is very much female. Um, I'd say between the ages of eight and 13. Um, we have a game called Trader. That's probably a mix of male and female between you know the ages of eight and 13 as well. Um, but we do have plans to try to expand that. You talk to the evolution of the Roblox tool set and graphics mm -hmm. capabilities that might be allowing you to build a game like you're talking about. Yeah. So for us as a studio, we don't use the Roblox toolbox all that much uh, because we do have positions. Uh, we have like six 3D modelers. So we make most of our assets in Maya or Blender. Um, we're starting to make a lot of our full worlds in Blender and Maya, not even on the Roblox engine. And we find that that just increases the performance of the game vastly less, by reducing less the parts. parts yeah. Um, so for us, we're taking well, I didn't more realize the, that people are building Roblox experiences off of the Roblox toolset. 
yeah, that that's been our studio's way this whole time. Basically, we might use a couple things here and there, but obviously our goal is to create our own IP, everything be ours. We own everything from the ground up of the experience. And um, going forward, we are trying to focus as much on mobile performance as we possibly can and make sure that people on maybe hand-me-down devices, iPhone 6, 5, can still enjoy our experiences. So um, I want to ask a question that came in from Jim Regan. On building in Roblox, Zach mentioned Lua is the core coding language for Roblox. Is there anything else you have to learn to be able to design games in Roblox? And then there's a follow-up. Um, I would say you need if you want to program games, you need to know Lua, the programming language, and then just know how the platform works, like uploading an asset, importing a texture. But that's all relatively simple. Like we brought in animators from classical gaming and and 3D modelers. It's a two-day process for those people to really learn how importing everything works. And and with Roblox moderation and rules, it's all about trying to keep everything as basic as possible to like triangle count wise. Obviously, Roblox isn't made for beefy devices. So you need to like scale down everything. So and the other part of the question was, he also um, noted that Core uses Lua. Can he touch on the difference between the two platforms? Might Core be trying to cut into Roblox's market share over time by making it seamless transition from a coding perspective? Or do you need to know more than Lua to develop a game on Core? It seems like a more refined, older demo product. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's definitely more refined for an older demographic there on the Epic Game Store. I have actually talked to the CEO multiple times. We're looking to make an experience over there. And he's ensured me moving a developer over there is if they know Roblox, developing on core is the exact same from a programming perspective. And then from an asset perspective, core wants to have the smallest game files possible. We're talking kilobytes, not even megabytes. So they want you to use their toolbox in a sense, their asset chest. Like they don't allow you to import any of your own IP. So that's the only like caveat to me. Like you can create these unique core experiences and build up these huge, vast worlds, but you're using everything that core owns and, and you really don't own that. Uh, for us, like we like to develop our own IP. But so, I have heard cores easier. A, a question came in just building right off of um, what you're saying. What other benefits do you get from building not in the Roblox engine? And like, how common is it for others to just develop outside? So I think the benefit is performance increase, um, owning everything you create because it's all our IP. Uh, we've created everything. Um, the ability to go above and beyond what Roblox allows because you can't get the same level of detail on the Roblox studio as you can sculpting something in Maya or a Blender. Um, and then... What was the second part of the question? It was, uh, is it like how common is it? Oh, I don't think it's very common yet just because like you do need a team. Like if you're a typical, like 14 or 15 year old developing on your own on Roblox, you're, you're really definitely utilizing all the stuff they have in their chest or like downloading free UI from the internet or something like that. So we craft everything ourselves, but as the soundtrack too, which is nice more professional creators kind of come onto the platform. Do you expect less and less um, games to be built on that engine? Yes. I, I expect most people to do any asset creation off the platform, especially if they built like a large studio. I know adopt me one of the larger games. It seems that they still use the studio for most everything. They are an old school studio. 
but I assume for future projects, they'll go the route we are because it's just way more performance friendly and also allows you to go bigger and better and make a cooler experience while still not crashing cell phones. So. Right. I assume the overwhelming majority of your playtime is on, is on mobile devices. Whereas Megan is the majority of your YouTube on phones or do you see over 80%? Yeah. Over 80% is mobile, including tablets and cell phones. And that's pretty consistent with the Roblox platform. Not a lot of kids have full blown PCs, you know, they have their cell phones or tablets. So it's new age. And we're 50, 50. So we're 50% PC, 50% mobile. Yeah. Whereas that's, I think, I think that's a pretty high PC rate. Like, I don't know if everyone else has that. So that's actually really cool. We spend good ad spend on trying to acquire more PC players. We find that they have more Robux to spend. Yeah. More time to spend too. Mm -hmm. Sorry to be like, you know, going after the same topic over and over, but I'm going to try it from a different angle. Now, again, back to the, you went from here to here to here, and then you're at Roblox. So like now you're in the Roblox, you love it five to 10 years from now, what is Roblox going to be? Is there going to be something new that's going to emerge? And then similarly, I think tie this into your own comments where, where you want to take your company, whether it's with Roblox or, you know, other things that might emerge, just give us kind of the five to 10 year, how you see things playing out. Yeah, on the development side, I see Roblox becoming kind of like a multi-platform tool in itself. Like it'll have entertainment, whether it's film or animation or or stuff like that, almost like a Netflix in a sense. That's what they um, said themselves. Yeah, that's definitely what they're going towards. And I can just see it like every brand wants to have an experience. Every influencer wants an experience. You know, I just see more and more engagements with large TV shows or animations. I even see how artists like to premiere their new album or single on Roblox. I could see a show wanting to premiere its pilot or a movie wanting to drop as like a. And you think five exclusive. years from now, you've seen enough and you have enough visibility that these guys will be successful and that will be the location where this stuff is going to happen. Oh, yeah. I'm heavily and invested it's in Roblox. Successful. Yeah, I'm heavily invested in Roblox. I believe that this is just the very beginning with them. Um, they're a gaming platform first, but. At the end of the day, they're trying to build the metaverse, a world that you can live in that's out of this world, and it's something that you never have to leave. So if that's their goal, they're going to try to get entertainment. They're going to get music. They're going to get and film and TV. It's, and- it's so lucrative, Zach. Tell them um, what you think the Gucci Garden event cost to make and how much it actually oh. made in profit. We could have made the Gucci Garden event for 20 grand. They made 4 million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Know? So um I mean, I could have made it at cost for like. I think you could have made it for less than twenty yeah. grand. It was at a cost. We could have made it for like store. eight thousand dollars, maybe. Yeah. But <clears throat> it just shows you the spending power on the platform. And for us, I think what we're trying to do is scale with the platform in a sense of creating great partnerships with these brands, with these you know musicians and influencers, building up experiences for them, and then trying to own a chunk of this this virtual world. Like we want ten percent of the metaverse. That's that's WonderWorks' goal, and that's what we're trying to achieve. And do you think that the metaverse is going to look <clears> like <throat> sort of one or two platforms, like Roblox and you know Fortnite, Epic, whatever they do, or do you think there's going to be tons more of these platforms that emerge in time? Just there's going to be more, but I think Roblox will own the demo that's under eighteen, and then someone else will own the older demo. And whether it's like- Go ahead, Ben. I was going to say, they're the first and they're the biggest. Like, creators, they upload to YouTube. Sometimes, some artists upload to Venmeo. 
But do you right. watch content on Venmeo? It's right. the same platform. It's the same thing. <laughs> so that first mover advantage is really key. Really big. Yeah. yeah, but I want to, but I want to just touch base on you know Zach. You, I think both of you just mentioned that four million for Gucci Guard. To be clear, that's gross. That's not what the person actually made because they had to go through all of yeah. the. So I guess where I wanted to just sort of kind of tie all this up is, what do you think Roblox needs to do for developers like you and others to help you make even more money? Like, is the splits? Is it tools? What is ultimately what's going to make you and others even more successful over time? Yeah, I mean, I believe it's less on the tool set. Like if you're a big studio like us, we have programs, we have people, we can make our own stuff. Um, for us, I would love to see a larger revenue split um, for large scale studios, because not only are by the end of the year, will we employ around 40 people and provide them healthcare, 401k matching and other benefits. But you know, that 20% can be large as you scale a game. Like there are games making 30, 40, $50 million on the platform, but it makes you more weary to take a risk and try to be truly innovative. If you have this large run rate and yeah. you just know if it's not truly successful, it's a total wash. And so if we had like a larger share, it would be much easier. And what's interesting about Roblox is they've really got it kind of set up sweet i know they got catered lunch every um every day that's what somebody on the inside told us and it's like um it's it's <laughs> that's pennies they're, so they're, they're 60 million dollars better than and catered lunch <laughs> i know well yeah it's like they get like little catered lunch every day but it's like their platform is solely created on the creator roblox doesn't make games roblox doesn't develop games roblox doesn't develop the experiences they contract out from um the creators to create all of their experiences. And then they let people create their own experiences and garner 80%, which totally understand because they have such an amazing discoverability and ad spend and immediate, um, as Zach was saying earlier, it's harder to get where you are on Roblox without Roblox. Like if we launched a game on Steam, it would have been a lot more difficult to get the downloads and the plays and the audience that's already there. Um, they do have a dev star program similar to the creator star program. Um, and I think it'd be really cool if anybody in the dev star program maybe got like an extra 5% on top of the percent they're already making just maybe a little bit like. Yeah. And Steam and more. Apple's cut, you know, and Android's cut are obviously like way more advantageous, but building a game up on that platform is, is, discoverability is really, really difficult. So yeah. I guess their biggest competition would be Minecraft and Fortnite creative because the Minecraft marketplace, I, I've heard from multiple sources that it's super, super lucrative, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but getting into that, it's highly gatekeeped. You know, it, it's hard to kind of submit a project. It's not an open get it platform in, in the Yeah, same it's way. not open. So, and I don't, I'm not too familiar with Fortnite creative, but I'm, I don't think that's open either uh, if you're monetizing on it. So I think like Roblox has the advantage, but it would be nice for large scale studios if, if we were able to get a, a slightly larger cut. So we're, we're past an hour. I want to wrap this mm -hmm. up. But before we let you go, each of you have to name your favorite game that you don't create yourself. <laughs> uh, on Roblox. On Roblox. Yeah. yeah. Not oh, Diablo. Okay. <laughs> and then well, you have if, to say if when it was, next if it Diablo was... is coming out. That's a I mean who, who knows when that one's coming out. We're keeping an eye out. Um, if it was not on Roblox, it would be the Legend of Zelda franchise. Big, big fan of that group with that. Um, if it is on Roblox and it's not a game we created, um, the Swarm Simulator is one of my favorites, and work at a pizza place is one of my favorites. So those are those are good. What ones. about you, Zach? 
I love World Zero and Dungeon Quest. The World Zero team that made that game, it's basically like a giant World of Warcraft on Roblox, and they did an amazing job with it. They won like the technology block C, so they put a lot of work into that, built their own packages, rigged and animated everything. They work so hard, that's yeah. definitely a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My games are like super like day one Roblox games that I, it's just like, I, they're cookie cookies when I shut my brain off and I'm like playing power. It's just like, oh, I'm, run, I'm delivering pizzas to houses. So it's just, Zach's answer is definitely more of a thought out thing. Mine is just like, <laughs> I like to kill time playing this one. <laughs> yeah. And Dungeon Quest was built by one man and, and it was just like revolutionary. It actually started the RP genre craze on Roblox about yes. three years ago. I remember when that came out. I think it was only like a year like two, or two, two years ago or so. A year and a half ago at max. <laughs> and it was insane. It was insane. People went crazy for it. You so. guys are great. Thank you so much for joining us. This was we look forward to tracking your progress and watching you grow as Roblox and other platforms grow. And just thanks for joining Light Shed Live. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys. Bye.